Hello and welcome to Gartkosh and Glenboig Parish Church's audio service for Sunday the 28th of June. I'm Dave Slater and I'm delighted we can join in once again in worship together. You can download the order of service from the hymn words from the links that are in the descriptions on Facebook and Podbean. But if you're listening back later on our telephone service, perhaps a neighbour or friend can get a copy of the order for you. Our notices are printed at the end of that order of service, but I will go live on Facebook this afternoon, 4pm, for our usual cuppa and chat, or thereabouts, and on Wednesday evening, 7.30pm, for our prayer service. We're about to sing from Psalm 13 some words of longing, of desire for justice, of petition to God from a position of sorrow or even despair. And perhaps that speaks to our own situations or to the situations of those who are struggling today, whether that's due to the effects of bereavement or of suffering illness through COVID or other diseases and their after effects, or even through disadvantage because of skin colour, generational oppression or entrenched attitudes. So let us worship God in our first song, How Long, O Lord. you today, whether listening on Sunday or through the week, perhaps calling out to you like the psalmist. Maybe we feel forgotten. Maybe you appear to us to be hiding. Maybe there is deep pain within us, and it seems like our opponents always have the upper hand. Yet your love is steadfast and unchanging. Your salvation is given to us to be a source of joy within. Help us as we sing as we pray, as we listen and reflect, 
to recognise that you are present in this place, our living rooms, our workspaces, our place of prayer, and that you call us to turn from our sinfulness, selfishness and mistakes, to renew our commitment to you. And we are thankful that you grant light to our eyes and our souls, that you give us the forgiveness and fresh start, that even if we are shaken, you are the firm foundation on which we can stand and regain our balance. Thank you that you hear and answer us and deal generously with us. For we pray according to the pattern that Jesus taught his friends. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever. Amen. We have our ongoing collection for Cotebridge Food Bank, where a further 14 bags of groceries were donated this week. And as ever, many thanks for these. Remember, you can leave in bags at 102 Loch End Road in Gartkosh, or let us know and we can arrange pick-up. And it's always much appreciated, though still very much needed. Also this week, some regulars and members have been asking about givings. So if you give by WFO, the weekly freewill offering envelopes, and wish to hand these in, they can be delivered to the relevant treasurer, Annette for Gartkosh or Gordon for Glenboig. Or you can contact us and arrange for them to be collected. We also recognise that some may well have different financial situations compared to pre-lockdown and we would want to reassure you that church is here for everyone, no matter what your situation. But if you did wish to start giving by WFO, you can request envelopes for the future, but remember that there are other means which may be more convenient at this time. Bank transfer, simply request the relevant congregation's bank details and you can make a one-off donation or set up a regular amount as well as signing a gift aid form if you're a UK taxpayer, which enables us to reclaim your tax paid from the government. And, of course, if it's easier, you can go via the Church of Scotland website where there's a new giving system using PayPal. Remember, you don't have to be a PayPal member to use that. You can use your own card details. But by that means, there will be a small transaction charge deducted from your donation, so you might prefer bank details or envelopes instead. More information about this is on our notices at the end of the Order of Service. Now, a special congratulation today goes to Tom and Annette Lever. Known well to both congregations, they've just joined a very select band of people who have celebrated 50 years, and counting, of marriage. It may not be the celebration you expected, but I'm sure you'll make up for it once restrictions are lifted or for your 51st anniversary, if not before. In birthdays, a happy birthday to Bill Dodds, whose birthday is upcoming this week. And as always, please continue to keep family and friends of all those who've passed away in your thoughts and prayers, as well as those who are ill and in hospital. I read from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 6, 
verses 12 to 23. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. Can you think back to when you were a child Or think of in your family, a child to whom you've been a parent or close relative, let's say maybe five or six years old. What happened when you were given or when you give them a free choice? You can have any treat from the tin. Will they always go for the biggest one, the most chocolatey one, the stickiest one, or whatever their preference tends to be? When you ask what would they like to do today, Perhaps for many it's a case of opting for watching their favourite TV programme and indeed watching lots and lots of episodes in some cases or getting some screen time in on a gadget. And in fact they might need to be persuaded or told that it's time to stop to go outside for some fresh air and exercise. If a child is given free choice as to what they might wear for the day, well... They might come up with something unusual. I've certainly seen some photos online of parents who've not only done that, but said their child can decide what mummy wears, and the results can sometimes be eclectic at best. I'm generalising here, and maybe you were a child or know a child who is completely unlike this. But I think there's a certain amount of truth there, and as we grow and develop, we like to think that we learn a bit about self-control, about delayed gratification. If we do this work now, we'll be able to relax later on with the feeling of a job well done, rather than the, I'm just going to do what I want and never mind the consequences. We're rather awkwardly jumping into the middle of Romans with this reading, and so we don't get the full force of Paul's discussion of the importance of being freed from sin. But it's very evident that in relationship to God, 
Even as adults, we're not dissimilar to the child who makes their own choices. It's been said, and I've quoted it before, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Paul cries, do not let sin be in charge. In other words, don't let yourself be enlisted by the tendency to sin, to cut corners, to take the easy way, the broad road. Instead, present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Do you, do I, recognise ourselves in that description? We were in a state of spiritual death, or heading inescapably in that direction. But the work of Jesus, Paul's already talked at the beginning of the chapter about us being baptised into Christ's death and rising with him in new life, that work means that we are signed up, recruited to be instruments of righteousness, to do the work of God. We're taken from what seems like a limitless freedom to choose to do whatever we want in sin to instead have that freedom in Christ that God's grace gives us. What does righteousness mean here again? We tend to stick to thinking about doing the right thing or about justice. And perhaps that leads us in today's world to consider, is that justice for black lives who over time and through systems and attitudes continue to have to overcome disadvantages they, our fellow human beings, should not have to suffer? This, along with many other marginalised groups, is certainly something we should look at and address. Our own perspectives may well be wrongly skewed in favour of those we think of as Iran folk. But righteousness means something greater even than this. It's a characteristic of God's, not of humanity. It's something quite different. And we've ended up with this system, this pattern that we call law. Law has purpose and benefit, but it has limitations too. It has a pattern, whether that's as crudely put as an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, or more sophisticated in terms of precisely worded acts and regulations, sentencing limits and guidelines. If this happens, then that is the consequence. That's how our human criminal law tends to work. Of course, any lawyers listening may want to correct my understanding here. But what of God's law? Given to humanity as a benefit, its purpose became clearer that rather than a means to creating righteousness, something that was, humanly speaking, impossible, it actually served to highlight the many areas where we stumble and fall down, failing to hit the target of the behaviour and standards that God requires. Even those who dedicated themselves to keeping every bit of the law in its entirety, the Pharisees in Jesus' day, and many more through history and even today who become legalistic, trying to precisely define everything in terms of the law, a classic example being the tithing of dill and cumin, or perhaps the tying up of kids' swings in play parks on a Sunday, the rules from not so long ago about how far you could walk on the Sabbath, and whether a visitor to an area was allowed a drink in a hotel on a Sunday. Even those managed to miss the point, to fail in certain areas. But grace, something that Calvinist Presbyterians were in theory immersed in, yet still managed to slip away from, back to the safety of laws and rules, grace is something different. 
It's not symmetrical. If you do that, you'll get this. If you don't do this, you'll not get that. Instead, it's a way of either escaping or fulfilling law, depending on your point of view. Fulfilling its purpose of showing how we get to God's righteousness. You do this, I'll forgive you. You fail to do that, I'll still bless you. It's the scandal of grace that is or should be at the heart of everything Christians are known for. That's where Paul brings in this imagery of slavery, something that, while not quite the same as the slavery of the 17th and 18th centuries, was a recognised situation that his readers would be familiar with. In verse 19 he seems to recognise it's an imperfect analogy, but one that still has some value. He ridicules the idea of sinning or sinning more because of grace, both here and elsewhere. It's not about that. He points out that we're slaves of whatever or whoever we obey, either of sin or of obedience, with, of course, opposing endpoints. There are only really these two choices. Your apparent freedom to choose whatever you like is in fact slavery to sin, to selfishness, because there are always consequences to those choices, sooner or later. But if you receive God's grace, then in fact you are slaves of righteousness. Your obedience becomes a natural response to grace, instead of that sometimes forced response to law, I'd better do this, I'd better not do that, oh no, have I walked too far today? So Paul points out that the advantages that there seem to be in living how you want are actually no great advantage because the end of it all is spiritual death. But to be going in the other direction is to receive an ongoing supernatural renewing, a sanctification where the end is eternal life. And he concludes with a verse that is well known. The wages or return of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Perhaps too often we've only heard that first part. The wages of sin is death. It's caricatured as being what doom and gloom street preachers might say, and no doubt actually often did. But context is key. Paul contrasts the outcome of being enslaved by sin with the gift of God through Jesus. So what do we do with that knowledge? Do we recognise that the grass looks greener on the side of the fence that we think is freedom, but it turns out is actually slavery to sin, to our own desires? Do we realise that we have a choice indeed to choose what God wants rather than what we want? And recognise that In the same way as parents set rules and boundaries for their children, so freedom in God is actually to submit to his rules and boundaries that he creates for our well-being and our benefit. Do we seek after God first and his standards, his righteousness, by putting God first and last and always, praying through our hard situations, praying through our difficult decisions, praying before significant times and events? Do we study God's word, looking ever more for a closer picture of what God's righteousness looks like in the world, asking what Jesus would do or say, trying to ensure our own human, sometimes flawed idea of justice approaches ever more God's own? Do we echo the psalmist's cry, 
How long, O Lord, that plea for justice, for a response to dark and difficult situations. Are we ready to choose freedom, to choose life, to choose enslavement or service of God and of good instead of serving sin, wickedness, impurity? May God help us to choose, to receive grace, enlisted in his service, being made ever closer into his image and sharing that sanctification, that holiness, as best we can in the world. In Jesus' name, Amen. We move into our prayers for others. Let us pray. Dear God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have been baptised into Christ, sharing both in his death and in his newness of life, that we have accepted or we can accept a fresh start, no matter where we've been or how bad we think things are in our lives. And we pray that whether this is a first time or an umpteenth time, that you will accept our flaws and failings, but not leave us in them, that you'll grant us the strength to choose and keep choosing, to enlist ourselves in the service of good, of your will and of righteousness, instead of our own selfish choices. We pray for our leaders and governments, made up also of flawed humans, yet in situations where they have great responsibility and powers. Grant them wisdom and insight to do the best for the people they serve and lead. We pray for those in Reading, suffering after the terror caused by murderous stabbings last weekend, and more recently for those in Glasgow caught up in the incident in the centre of the city. We think of the victims and wounded, of the police and others who responded, and of families, of all those who grieve and mourn. Whether a loss is by violence or illness or any other reason, it's never easy, and particularly in a time when funerals and grieving itself almost seems restricted in what can and cannot happen. I think also of a school friend of mine who said goodbye to her brother this week, and we no doubt have others that come to our minds. We pray on for the work of those in health and caring professions, in hospitals and places of care and in people's homes. We ask for the healing of those patients who are dealing with ongoing effects of COVID, those who are going through other illnesses and treatments. We pray for our world, your world, Lord, many places struggling, others seeming to do well. Grant relief where it's needed, in wisdom and care by agencies and governments alike. We pray for the church, beginning a process of looking at the means and procedures for reopening and what that means for individuals, deciding when that might be. We ask for help in interpreting the government guidelines that can sometimes change from week to week. Help us to be wise and caring for our folk. We pray for our schools, teachers and support staff, children and parents for the work of learning that has gone on in hubs and at home, knowing that it may have been at different levels for different pupils. Nonetheless, we pray that you grant a good rest and holiday to them. Be with teaching and management staff as they continue to plan the return after the summer, with the possibility of more changes adapting to the numbers of cases if they rise or fall. Be with the P7s who didn't have the ending they expected to their primary school days, 
nor the transition to high school that they had hoped for as they prepare for that new adventure. Likewise be with those nursery children preparing for a big school. Lord, help us as individuals think of ourselves, our own choices and the direction of travel in our lives. May it be ever more towards you and away from what might seem attractive but is ultimately harmful. Lord, hear and answer all our prayers and concerns and give us your grace and peace. In Jesus' name, Amen. Our closing hymn is May the Mind of Christ My Saviour. Let's pray it as we sing through it. again to Tom for this week's hymns. Let us go, seeking the righteousness of God in our lives and choices, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, this day, this week, and always. Amen. We sing our blessing song, May the God of Peace. Amen. Hey.